I learned that being honest and vulnerable, like sitting here talking to you like this, is how you can help people because hopefully someone's listening. And in recovery, what they teach you is that when you share your story, yes, it feels good for you and it helps you, but it's really for other person in the room that needs to hear it. Hello there, fam. Welcome to another episode of The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Nita, and this is your oasis, your destination for all things being just a little bit more brave in your actions, in your life, and in your relationships. Now, do you know someone who has battled addiction or alcoholism? Well, today we are braving how to support them and learn from a certain woman's story and how change and transformation is actually possible after hitting rock bottom. Mindy Hoffman, a community leader and a podcast host here in Austin, Texas. We were actually introduced earlier this year by a mutual friend who actually thought we would hit it off. And when I came to know of her story and how she has been able to create one of the foremost women's groups here in Austin, Texas, she was just mind-blowing. And honestly, she's had me in her hot seat on her show. But it wasn't until I had her here on the brave table when she uncovered her vulnerability around hitting rock bottom, becoming an alcoholic while having a toddler at home. And in this episode today, we definitely go into some of her darkest moments as a young mom going from addiction, going into rehab to full recovery. And honestly offering insights for families who are affected or have loved ones or have been through multiple situations with loved ones going through battling addiction where there may still be darkness in that tunnel and how her motherhood was impacted in the fall in her rise and ultimately where she is and who she is today. It is unbelievable. I have just so much admiration and respect for her. And if you know anyone that is battling addiction or if you've known someone or you misjudge them or you've judged them or you think they're never going to change, this might be an episode to listen to. And it may just change your mind. I know you're going to get so much value out of this. So in this episode, we talk about the distractions of her glamorous life as she grew up in Hollywood, the hard truth of hitting rock bottom, the power of healing through creativity and performing arts, and the power of sharing her personal story. And hope this lands with you. And without further ado, let's bring on Mindy Hoffman to The Brave Table. Give the gift of brave conversations to yourself and others. Now, our long-awaited Brave Conversations six-week course is now available. Now, we've talked about having brave conversations. And the number one thing most people are afraid of is having those difficult conversations in their lives. Now, don't let this stop you. No more ghosting, avoiding, suppressing, or denying. Learn how to share your voice boldly. In this six-week action-packed course, you will learn the actual steps on how to have confidence and clarity along with a brave support posse so that you can practice in our community that meets twice a month along with a jam-packed workbook to chart your journey and with me being your coach in the process. Now in six weeks, you'll have deeper and more meaningful and brave conversations in your life without any worry. And I am here for it. Let's go and be bold in your 2024 goals. Head over to neetabushan.com. That is neetabushan, N-E-E-T-A-B-H-U-S-H-A-N.com forward slash brave conversations for your 50% discount for our Brave Table listeners. Now back to the show. Mindy, welcome. 
Thank you. I'm, I'm so excited. I know. I'm so glad we're doing this and we're here together. <sighs> this, is, this is so fun. I, I'm really grateful to be here. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. We just had a big event for Women of Austin and I got through that and we filmed like a couple things. So it was just a lot. And so it's nice to just breathe and to have some time to just kind of catch up, hang out with friends. I know, right? Excited. Okay. So, I mean, this is the Brave Table and I know we were on your show a couple weeks ago, Women of Austin. And well, I kind of wanted to get started there. Like where did you, were you always one for the camera (laughs) and one to bring women together? Um, Okay. So where did you get your start? That's a great question. Always one for the camera. That's interesting. I grew up in LA. And so uh, I wanted to be an actress. Mm. So I took acting classes and... Is that kind of like the norm? Yeah. For most people? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, Did you have parents and cousins and friends also in the industry? I didn't actually. And I... My mom didn't let me do it. She was not into it. And so after I turned 18, I went away to college and then I came back and was like, no, I want to do acting. And so in my early 20s... I got a group of friends and, you know, we ran around Hollywood and did the whole thing. And, and what did the whole thing consist of for you? Because when people say, <laughs> I did the whole thing, it's, you know, the drugs, the glitz of Hollywood, or it's the, I was, you know, behind the scenes, an extra, a dancer. What was that for you? That's true. Okay, I did extra work on a Katie Holmes movie, First Daughter. Oh, no. So we spent the summer at UCLA on campus pretending to be students. It was really fun. And then going out, oh, yeah, all the time. We were, like, falling out of clubs. I went to parties at the Playboy Mansion. Like, I got really distracted, let's just say. Oh, my gosh. Well, because <laughs> when I was growing up and I would see everything in L.A., you know, and I would have, like, family friends who were like, yeah, it's just the norm to be an extra And people did it like after school. So when you're sharing that, it reminds me of, you know, thinking that that was such an impossible feat just because we were in the Midwest and, you know, after school for us is not wanting to be outside because it was too cold because, you know, it's cold literally half the year. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Well, but my mom sheltered me from it in high school. So we after school sports for me. So the second I could make my own decisions and do my own thing, I went to college for a little bit in Chicago, actually. And my first winter there, I was like, nope, I'm out of here. So I lasted a semester. And then I went to Arizona State because it was warmer. Big party school. So I had fun, but I didn't learn much. And then... um, As you wouldn't. Yeah, yes. like at all. I was in I was in the math class with a bunch of the football players and they would literally be able to go outside during the test and talk to their tutor. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was like that. But yeah. we had a lot of fun. <laughs> of course. Oh my goodness. And so were you always that, you know, gatherer of women everywhere you went or when did that start? Not at all. I hung out with the boys. I was a total tomboy. And then I... Got married and moved to New York. And when I was there, I got a really good group of girlfriends. Mm. So we're all still great friends to this day. And that experience was was really great. And I had never had anything like that. Mm. And so 
when I moved from, I moved from New York. I moved, I've moved a lot. I moved from New York to San Francisco and I had a couple good girlfriends there. And then we moved to Austin and I didn't know anyone. Hmm. And that was when things got really bad for me. Like I tried to stay in touch with my friends, but when I moved here, I didn't know anyone. And I just had my mommy friends. So yeah. whoever we met in daycare, but I didn't even think to like look for friends. Mm. How many kids do you have? Just one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So she was like one and a half when we moved here. Mm. Yeah. So I ended up going through a whole situation. I was really lonely. I would get drink like way too much wine every night. And oh, no. it just, it was getting bad already before I moved here. But then it got really bad. I was so lonely and I just isolated. And what do you think that was? Was it also, you know, the woes of motherhood as well? It got really bad after I had my daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think shifted? Well, the interesting thing is that I thought that I would be better because I didn't drink when I was pregnant. And so I thought that I would naturally be a mother and just not want to drink and not want to do all the things. But the first second I could, I went and got my wine. I had, they make test strips mm. where you can test your breast milk yeah. to see if it's okay. Oh, yes. Yes. So I was I like- I did those yeah. in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I was all about those. And then I started to feel bad. Like, why am I not connected to my daughter? Why am I wanting to do this instead of feeding her? But I couldn't stop. Mm. And so I just started beating myself up about it and it started getting worse and worse. And so... Did you think you had some sort of postpartum? Now, looking back, absolutely. Mm. But during, I couldn't even imagine that like, that was a thing. Yeah. And I'd always like drink too much. So it was just like, oh no, this is just normal. Mm. And like, it was not normal. Wow. And it's interesting because every time I have this conversation with a mom, they've gone through it and now they're like way on the other side. Yeah. It's never a mom that's like fully in it that they're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm in postpartum right now. Yeah. You know? And even for myself, I didn't realize I had postpartum depression for my son until it was, you know, like, I don't know, like maybe four months after where I was finally out on the other side and I'm like, oh, I'm like back in my body again. I'm not, you know, like getting so irritated and like short fusing Mm -hmm. on everyone. Then you can see the contrast of the outside. You're like, oh, I'm myself. But whoa, was that a really gnarly time that we were in? Yes. And I think that when we, and, and I wanted to just ask, you know, your opinion on this too, but when we're told about postpartum depression, we're like, oh, you know, I was thinking like, oh yeah, that's something maybe other people get. Like, not me. Yes. You know, like I I have friends. I'm like social. And never did I know that postpartum could also be postpartum, like anger, rage. You know, this is all under the umbrella of postpartum depression. And so I like geeked out and like wanted to know more. What was that for you when you were navigating through such a really you know, tough time and, you know, you took to alcohol and what did that do for you? So I got embarrassed. And so I started hiding my drinking and that was when it really spiraled because I... So where would you hide it? Was it, would it be like in like what we see in the movies? Like oh, the coffee? Question. Yes. Yeah. In the morning, like I started drinking in the morning eventually. It took a while to get there, but I got there and I would 
feel so crappy in the morning that I would put white wine in my coffee cup with ice and, you know, take it to the park. Mm-hmm. And I remember once, and you would think this would stop me, but, you know, I was just too far in. I remember once my daughter reaching for, because I had put it in a sippy cup. Oh, my gosh. And I wasn't going to let her have it. And she was reaching for her sippy cup. And I had to tell her, no, she couldn't have water because she thought it was water. But it was wine. Like, the things that you do, it's crazy. Like, looking back, I know the feeling and I know that I couldn't stop and I couldn't help myself. But I like to talk about this, too, because people wouldn't have realized. And that's what's so crazy. I was still going to the playdates and going to the park. And because at that point, that would just like normalize me. Mm -hmm. And then at night I would, you know, take after she'd go to bed, I'd drink as much wine as I wanted and then wake up, rinse, repeat. And it just kept spiraling. And I lived like that for a couple years. Like that's a long time. I'm surprised that like a couple years while your daughter was a toddler. Yes. Did you have support? Was your partner aware of what was going on? Yes. The problem was that like we would still want to drink together at night. And so he would have to give up his habit also. But for him, he wasn't waking up and drinking in the morning and he can drink. I can't. And so... Did he know that you had started drinking in the morning? He started to figure it out and find it... I remember once I took, so like like in the movies, I drank one of the beers, his beers in the fridge, and I didn't want him to know. So I filled it up with water and put the lid back on. And because he was like counting them at that point. And I forgot that I had done it. And he drank it, like tried to have a beer in front of me and was like so furious. But, you know, what was he going to do? He tried to, you know, tell me to stop. And so eventually I did get to go to rehab. You did? Yes. What was that moment like right before you said yes? Because usually, you know, there is, and you know, in my book, I talk about there is this like fall, whether it's a literal fall, (laughs) a visceral fall, a metaphorical fall, and then we're kind of faced with a situation. You're faced with this ignition. Are you going to go stay? Are you going to make a change? Are you going to stay in your reality? What was like the moments before that fall? Take us through that. So it was getting really bad and like I would be falling asleep, passing out, you know, earlier and earlier and not being able to wake up. And we did have support. So we had a nanny that would come and go so that, you know, my daughter was safe and, you know, I was mindful about it. It's it's horrible, you know, but, but, well, I'm so glad we're talking about it because I think so often, you know, there are probably women listening to this, moms listening to this that are, you know, struggling in silence Mm -hmm. in that, you know, maybe they suspect a friend at the park, you know, or they suspect a a girlfriend acting kind of their behavior is just a little erratic and can't really pinpoint it. It's unusual. Mm -hmm. They're still normalizing. And like you said, doing all the things, you're going to the play dates, you're going to the events with other moms, but there is that, you know, shame around it. And so for you, was there a point where it got so bad that you just said, okay, the three words, I need help? The first time I went to rehab, 
it was forced. My ex-husband was like, I'm going to leave you. You're ruining everything. And he was right. And so I went and I did inpatient and I was there for 21 days. Shout out to Recovery Unplugged. Was that here in Austin? It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a music base. I'm not a musician, but as an actress, like it's a like artistic way of healing. And we got to do a lot of creative expression. Oh. And so it was a good fit for me. Like singing, dancing or yes. acting out and somatic work of like screaming. I let a I let a screaming match one day. We we'd all just had it like out on our volleyball court. We were screaming like all of the words and it felt so good. But the musicians would write songs once a week. We would have a day where we would have prepared something. So people would rap, people would play the guitar. I took the song Changes by Black Sabbath and acted out a goodbye letter to alcohol. And once we like acted out, you know, me at my daughter's grave, like, mm. because, you know, like in the scene, like I felt what that would feel like, like someone pretended to be my husband and we sat there and I had to apologize to her because in the scenario I had done something irresponsible and I had to, but like, I'm a creative person. And so like going through that and feeling that really impacted me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I'm, have, I'm getting chills right now just imagining you having to do that. It was crazy, but it was so powerful. And like I had everyone in the room crying too. And some of the other people, what they came up with and their creative expressions like really impacted all of us. So what they've created is such a beautiful space and way of healing, a mm -hmm. different way of healing. Well, it's not your typical let's talk about it, which is great because talk therapy is great. And what you're really describing for Brave Table Fam, you know, for those of you watching this on YouTube and listening, what you're really describing is, you know, elements of somatic healing therapy where it's literally through the body, you're reenacting mm -hmm. and you're going through the physical motions of what a scenario could look like so that you can get it out of your body. I didn't even like realize that that's what we were doing. But yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It was crazy. Like I always knew I'd have to go to rehab eventually. And I always pictured myself at like promises in Malibu on the, like, you know, sitting by the pool overlooking the ocean. And like, this was not that. Like I have so many friends who have face tattoos now. And like, you know, we are like cut from all walks of life. And like, you wouldn't believe the people that were in there. We were all so different. It was mm -hmm. so amazing to just strip down and take all of our masks off and just be who we were and be vulnerable. And some of my best friends are people that I never would have met. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, we saved each other's lives. Yeah. A few of us didn't make it. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard for me because I didn't expect that. Mm -hmm. even though I knew. And it was also people who were on drugs. Mm -hmm. So it was drugs and alcohol. And so we lost one to alcohol and three to drugs. Oh, wow. So mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Yeah, that was tough. I lost a really close friend recently and that was shocking. And that was really hard. He was my first friend when I walked in the door. Oh, but that wow. just makes, I mean, it's real. Like, mm -hmm. that's why I want to talk about it too. Like, this one girl, Kate, she was a mom. She had a three-year-old. Like She was there to get better for her kid, but she couldn't quite do it. And that's just the reality. Mm -hmm. And what do you think stops people? Because now you kind of went through 
the, you know, you went through that program and you yeah. saw certain friends that didn't make it. Yeah. And even in your situation, it was the first time was you were forced. And then... Yeah. So that's a perfect question to get me to finally answer your question about how I bring women together. The people who stayed with their tribe, with who stayed connected to the community, who stayed honest about their situation are the people who did the best. So when I came out, I was like, oh, I'm fine. And I went to like meetings every now and then. And I was sober for seven months. And then I went on vacation with my now ex-husband. And I was like, oh, I can just drink here. And he's like, mm. And I'm like, eh? And he's like, okay. But like when we get home, like no way. I had to drink on the plane. The second we got back, I was like sneaking bottles again. I would like hide them under the sink, the empty, so he didn't see them in the trash. Like they were all over the house. It was like the movies. Like it was crazy. Wow. And that's when it got really bad. And then I remember I got drunk at work and he called me and he got mad at me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to a meeting. So I called my friends and I drove to meet them. They're like, come to this house. This is where we are. And let's go to a meeting. And this is the AA meeting. Yes, yes, an AA meeting. And turns out I was talking to them later and I'm like, wait, why did I drive there? Why didn't you guys come get me? And they're like, we had fucked up too. So it was like we were all in a bad spot. But I didn't make it to the meeting. I pulled over to look at my directions and I went like over the curb a little bit. And the police officer had seen me swerving, but had no reason to pull me over until I like Bumps. did that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Thank God. Thank God I didn't hurt anyone. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. I sat in my lawyer's office and I got to watch the video of me doing my sobriety test and like, you know, I'm going to an AA meeting, I swear. And, you know, like, and my little puppy was in the car. I had a dog and like, mm-hmm. I spent the night in jail. You went to jail for that? Yeah. Yeah, they took So me. on the way, going to meet your friends at an AA meeting, you were driving drunk, got pulled over by the cops yeah. Took a sobriety test and then they put you in jail. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they took me. They took you in. Right in. Yeah, they're like, nope. And, and I was like, what about my doggy? Like, it's still a mystery kind of how my dog, how that all got worked out because my ex-husband was so mad at me at the time. But I know like he had a friend come help and like all of the things. It was a big deal. And it's crazy. Like they gave me a bologna sandwich in a bag with like an apple and no, like, you know, you're like sleeping on steel. And I was like throwing up in this toilet. Like it was, it was real. You were in jail. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the morning, a lawyer came and got me out. And then my ex-husband looked at me and was like, we're done. Like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. And I'm like, neither am I. And that was it. So Mm. that was my moment. And so when you said neither am I, you meant I refuse to go back to that state or oh, the no, relationship? Our, our relationship. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, and you know, we had just done too much damage and we were drinking buddies. Like we met in our early twenties and we spent years as drinking buddies. And then I just, you know, took it at a con at it like too far. And so we separated and I had to blow <laughs> into this thing as part of my release they have these sobriety things that you have to blow into. And it's like this thing that you carry around. It's like the size of like an original cell phone. Okay. And I had to do it every 
six hours. Like a walkie-talkie or something yeah, you and blow you, into? Yeah, you blow into it and it, you pass or fail. And I passed the whole time, but like I would have to wake up every six hours or I would be in like Target and my purse would start beeping. And I would be like, oh, like pretending I'm looking at something and like blowing into my breathalyzer machine. And there's just something about having to do that and like I would have to go get drug and alcohol tested they like cut my hair like Mm -hmm. to like make sure something about that was good for me Mm -hmm. I wanted it I needed it when did you start actually internalizing wow I'm an addict and I have a daughter and I want to change my life fully well once I was on my own so once I realized that I wasn't going to have my ex-husband there to clean up my mess to, you know, come behind me and sweep stuff under the rug or, you know, put her to bed if I can't or get up with her in the morning. I didn't have that anymore. And that wasn't who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And realizing that like that crutch was gone, I would lose her. There's no way a court would ever give her to me. And so that's why I was so heavily monitored with the breathalyzer because they were protecting her. And I'm so grateful that they do that. Because it's so hard to control yourself if you're an addict. And so that was just an extra layer of protection that made everybody feel better, myself included. Mm. So I did that for over a year, every six hours. So the second time you went into rehab, you went knowingly. Yes. So then I had to go back and I picked a different place, Northwest Counseling Center, and I did outpatient. So I would go for a long time, three Mm. days a week. And I still stayed connected to the other community. So I just grew my circle. Mm. And that was really helpful. And then in my divorce, that was all, you know, getting finalized. I lost my business. So I didn't have... I had an e-commerce business and it went to him. And I lost a lot because nobody trusted me. You know, I was the one who had just been arrested. And I was painted in a very bad way for a good reason. So I really just had to start fresh and I had thought about what I wanted to do with my life and how I could be the woman that I want my daughter to see. And so when I was thinking about it, I realized I had no friends outside of my recovery friends. And I was like, how can I help people? I'm too newly sober to go speak at sobriety conferences or whatever that would look like, become a counselor. And I realized that I needed to grow my bubble and bring women together and take the things that I learned in rehab that helped change me and try to share them with other people. So I learned that being honest and vulnerable, like sitting here talking to you like this, is how you can help people because hopefully someone's listening. Mm -hmm. And In recovery, what they teach you is that when you share your story, yes, it feels good for you and it helps you, but it's really for the other person in the room that needs Mm -hmm. to hear it. And even if you shared your story, like the old timers is what we call them. So there'll be like the old ladies and men in the meeting and they're like, I've shared this a hundred times and some of you may have heard it, but there might be someone in here who needs to hear it again. And then they'll tell it and it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Well, when I sat with you on your show, and we had met, you know, maybe one more time before that, and you exude with this 
joy and your essence is so fun and <laughs> we're ready to just have a cup of tea together yeah. and talk about, you know, all of the things that light us up. I would never see that side of you that you kind of just portrayed. And so I'm gathering that it has taken so much work and so much grace and so much, you know, even forgiveness for yourself. But what do you think really attributed to kind of how far you've come? Um, to actually now be the host of, you know, Women of Austin, the podcast, the show, and and being literally that person that you have now created for yourself. I think that I always wanted to do something. I always pictured something better for myself. And I always remembered how I was in high school. So another part of recovery, which is why I always love to talk about what I learned in recovery, is talking to the version of yourself that like you loved the most when you felt the best. And I had so much joy in high school. You know, there was the teenager like drama, of course, but like that was when I would could just be myself and always laughing and doing and saying whatever I wanted. And, you know, great group of friends. And when I started drinking, I started numbing that. And that was like later in high school. And that part of my light started dimming. And so once I was able to sit and reflect and think and envision who I wanted to be again and literally see that girl clowning around on the back of the bus on the way to a soccer game, like that is actually the memory that that sticks with me. I had all my girls, my team, and I was, you know, leading some silly cheer that we were doing, like, you know, just just mm-hmm. so much fun and just just everything was right in the world then. And trying to get back to that feeling and get back to who I authentically was, I knew that I had to sober up, definitely, and find my purpose and find joy. And so when I was thinking about what my purpose was, I wanted to bring people together to share stories, which is why I started the podcast. And beyond that, we have monthly networking events and we have a group that meets more. And the feedback that I always get from our events that just really, I don't know how I do it, but I'm told that I came in here and I didn't know anyone and everyone made me feel so welcome. You guys feel like a family. Like, how do you do this? And I was talking to my fiance, Dave, about it. And I was like, I don't know how to answer that. And he said something that worked for me. He said, you're just you. Like, because you're not like that because you set the tone and you're welcoming and just loving and you just want everybody to meet and connect and know each other. And that is contagious. And that's your gift. And I think for you, it's like you leaning into your gift. And I mean, that because that's what I've connected to. That's what I've seen. And, you know, it was the first time we're actually talking about this. I had no idea that you had such a profound, you know, story on recovery Mm -hmm. and addiction and, you know, the dark side of the life of motherhood that, you know, I know that addictions come in several, many different forms. But I think speaking to the shame and the guilt around, you know, hiding that and what, tends to get sometimes so tough in motherhood that we have to numb and avoid and avoid and avoid our emotions and suppress and squash our emotions that we, you know, have these other addictions that kind of play out, but that there, you know, can be another way. 
Fall is officially here, fam. And we are giving away That Suck Now What books for free when you purchase your That Suck Now What conversation card deck or get the bundle, the affirmation card deck. And Jay Shetty says, a how-to guide that offers grace to the human experience by reminding you that life may catch you off guard, but you can bounce back and even fly forward. Grab your free book when you get your edition of the 33 Conversation Card Deck or 52 Affirmation Card Deck. They're great for gifts and not to mention connecting deeper with others in your life as well as yourself. So just for you, Brave Table fam, head over to thatsucknowwhat.com and it's also linked in the show notes. Now back to the show. So as we kind of get into our final round and our rapid fire round, what do you think you would say to your daughter now that you're on the other side of this if you had a chance to go back in time to that place? I think I would tell her that if it was when I was in addiction, I would tell her that mommy's going to get better, that mommy's going to be able to do this for you. And if it was talking to her about it, now, like as she's older, what would I tell her about that? I would tell her, thank you. You saved my life. And she did. Mm. I wouldn't be here now. (laughs) (laughs) It'll make me cry. (laughs) Brave table. (laughs) (laughs) Where are the dishes? Before I have you pick a card, what do you think now in this season of life does it mean to be brave? It means to show up authentically and not worry about what other people think. Because had I not worried about what other people thought, I would have got help a lot sooner. And I think that having the bravery to tell people where you're at rather than hiding it can make things get better so much faster. That's powerful. I feel like so many people probably really, really can resonate with that. And, you know, the unveiling that shame and that layer of shame that we, you know, these are the dark parts of ourselves that we don't want to uh, visit. Yeah. But that, you know, it's there. It's there to explore. Definitely there. (laughs) And one word that describes this season of life. Hope. Mm. I'm very hopeful and... I'm hopeful for the future of my daughter. I feel like we've got to a place now where we can do whatever we want and we can just love each other and explore what the world brings to us. But, you know, mommy shook off all the baggage and surrounded herself by good people and she's learning and she sees and she comments on things. So I'm hopeful that she's going to have a great future too. Mm-hmm. Amazing, Mindy. Where can we get more of you? Where can, if there's queens in Austin that are looking for community, where can we find your events? How can we get tapped into your podcast? Tell us all. Thank you. Okay. Well, the Women of Austin podcast, you can search for on YouTube. We are also on Spotify, Apple, and all of the main places where you get your podcasts. And we have our events. Our Instagram is where I've been posting the most regularly. So women underscore of underscore Austin and Mindy.Hoffman on Instagram. I'm just now starting to spend more time sharing more about myself because I love sharing other people's stories, but I've 
feel like I'm finally finding the strength to share my own. And so thank you for allowing me to be here and to do it in such a safe space for really the first time I've ever really, really gotten into it. And it feels so good. So thank mm-hmm. you. I really appreciate you. And to everyone who's listening, I hope that you, know, you got something out of it. And thank you. Wow. I did not realize that this was the first time. Yeah, I've like brushed on it on a couple other podcasts, but not like, and it's just, you know, your, your questions just made it so easy and so comfortable. And I appreciate that. This is what we do. And you do it well. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time on The Brave Table. Whew, welcome to the other side. You can actually follow Mindy. And if you are in Austin or around Texas area, you can actually follow the Women of Austin on Instagram at Women of Austin. That's underscore of underscore Austin. And her Instagram is Mindy.Hoffman. You can listen to our interview together on Mindy's podcast, the Women of Austin podcast that is also linked in the show notes, as well as some of these episodes to dive deeper into your transformation. That is episode 152, Unleashing Your Authentic Voice, Navigating Creative Expression in Courageous Conversations at Any Age with Amy Edwards. Episode 130, The Power of Living Out Loud, Thrive Through Authenticity and Wholeness with Vasvi Kumar. And episode 119, Speaking Your Truth and How to Let Go of Resentment with myself. All right. And if you are new here, if somebody sent you this episode, if you've just landed here, I just want to be the first to welcome you. Welcome to our community. Welcome to the Brave Table community that is growing. If you love this episode, if you thought that another friend could be of support and use this, go ahead and share this episode with them. Let us know what your favorite parts were. Share it on Instagram and tag us at the Brave Table. And if you haven't already, we would love your five-star review. You can go ahead and submit those on iTunes or Spotify. And when you do, feel free to screenshot your review and send it to us at support at globalgrit.co. And we will send you our 12-month self-care calendar for free. Now, that is all I have this week. Don't forget to be just a little bit more brave in your actions, in your relationships, and in your life. I will see you next time.